Hi everyone, my name is Sheila and I'm one of the leaders here at HDBB. As Leon and Feng mentioned earlier, we are currently in week three today of our series, Life to the Full. And I highly encourage you to check out the last two weeks if you haven't yet. Um, but you know, I'm just gonna give you a super brief lowdown of what's happened so far. So two weeks ago, Mark Knight kicked us off on 2nd October, setting the stage for the series. He talked about John 10, where Jesus promises us life to the full. He says that we enter the fullness of life as we pursue Jesus because He is our shepherd who guides us lovingly. However, we all know the reality of our day-to-day -day life can sometimes feel far from flourishing. And therefore, as part of this series, we wanted to speak about two big areas that can sometimes seemingly rob us from experiencing that fullness of life. Last week, Sue talked about anxiety, and today we are going to talk about burnout and exhaustion. Moments where we feel absolutely depleted, perhaps even running on empty. A couple of years ago, I, I had a moment, and I remember it a little bit like this. I was sitting in the library, working on an SPTC assignment, and I couldn't seem to focus, and so I went downstairs to the cafe for a change in environment. And I still couldn't seem to be productive, and so I thought, ah, I'll go get some dinner. And so I drove to Bangsa. And all throughout that drive, I remember just having a lot of thoughts run through my head about just various things that's going on in my life, nothing particular at all. But when I reached and I parked and sat down there in the car, I suddenly, without warning, found myself having quite a bad emotional breakdown. I started to just cry uncontrollably in my car, in the middle of the car park. And uh, at this moment, I'd just like to give a disclaimer that I was not crying over my SPTC assignment. I love SPTC. But at that moment, it truly made me realize that something was really wrong. I felt done. Um, I felt empty. I was exhausted from endless uh, things going on. There was work, assignments, online classes, ministry, and at that moment in the pandemic, living in a home environment with really high anxiety about COVID-19. Um, and I'd like to say that none of those things are bad. I loved it all, and I wanted to do it all. But a pandemic was happening, and everything changed, but life seemed to just carry on. The problem was trying to live an unsustainable lifestyle that was never our design. And I know that I'm probably not alone in having these kind of moments, and perhaps some of you can relate to this on varying levels, maybe better or worse. My personal journey since then has been one of learning. I'm the first to acknowledge that I probably don't practice healthy rhythms of work and rest that enable me to thrive, Burnout is a very real condition that I too am still trying to work out of my life. And that is why I thought that is really God's humor that I was assigned this topic in this series. I mean, I feel the least qualified, but at least that probably meant that I had to spend a lot more time digging into the Bible and research. And this message is firstly and largely, I think, for me, um, but I'm really excited to be able to share uh, what I've learned with you today. The Bible is very real about feelings of burnout. We read of people in the Bible getting burnt out, and we also see Jesus himself speak into this very specific area. One of the common verses you may have heard before is from 
Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Uh, over here, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's amazing that Jesus himself speaks these words. It shows us that burnout, it's not a 21st century problem. But however, if I'm really honest, these three verses can sometimes frustrate me as well. Because what exactly does it mean, right? How do I, how do I go to Jesus? Now, how do I find rest in Jesus? Or how do I take Jesus' yoke? What does that even mean? And, and what does it mean if I don't feel better after trying? To me, these three verses, it can feel very abstract. It can feel a little bit removed from my personal situation. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe these are some of your questions too. I think that Matthew 11 gives us a great model for approaching times of burnout. But what I thought might be helpful for us today is to maybe learn this model through um, an example or a story. God is consistent in his approach. He's the same God in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. And this case is no different. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to explore Matthew 11 alongside a story in the Old Testament, a real story of someone in burnout, and his name was Elijah. And God met him in those moments. So uh, the chapters we're going to read later is 1 Kings chapter 19, 3 to 18. And, you know, I'm fully aware that there might be some of you listening to this here thinking that maybe this topic isn't for you directly. You know, I, I spoke to some friends to say like, you know, I don't relate to burnout. You know, burnout's not something that I've struggled before. But hopefully some of this might be helpful as you support others around you. However you feel at this moment, my prayer is really that as we explore these passages, we will um, leave this message today here hopeful, equipped, but most importantly, seen by God, who cares for us deeply when we are in the valley. So back to the story. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. In the few passages before today's passage, we read of how Elijah, he spoke warnings to kings and he performed amazing miracles and he himself personally experienced God looking after his needs wherever he went. And the most recent miracle he performed was this dramatic showdown with the prophets of the pagan gods where he contests against them and shows this large audience which God is the true God. And God obviously also came, came through for him and came down to perform a miracle right in front of him and all those people. And it's all very dramatic and it's all worth a read um, when you have your own time. And so that's why it's really strange today when we read today's passage, we find Elijah in a, in a different state. Elijah's fearful, he's on the run uh, when he finds out that his enemies have threatened to hunt him down. And this is immediately after God came through with such a huge triumph and victory over those same enemies. But, you know, doesn't that just feel very familiar? You know, I always find that a pattern for me is that, you know, whenever there's a high or a breakthrough that I experience, I somehow begin to experience a crash almost immediately after. So let's read uh, the story from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 3 to 5 first. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself 
went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Let's just pause here for a moment. You know, I love the honesty in this story. And here is one of the greatest prophets showing all of the classic signs of burnout. The WHO describes burnout as a condition caused by chronic stress that has not been successfully managed. They say burnout can be characterized by three indicators. The first is exhaustion or depletion. The second is detachment, negativity or cynicism. And the third is reduced efficacy. What struck me most about the WHO's definition of burnout is that it's used specifically for work context. And this means that burnout is when the work that we are immersed in daily becomes the cause of our pain. And I think that's, that, that's a really important uh, point to digress a little here, um, just to reflect on this before we move on. Work is God's idea. In the creation story in Genesis 1 to 3, we learn two things about work. Firstly, that work is a gift. From the very beginning, work was built into the fabric of what it means to be human. Now, work, from a biblical perspective, is this act of stewarding the world around us. And it could be anything from our careers, to raising a family, to ministry work, and so on. We were made to live fruitful, purposeful lives, and work drives that purpose forward. And the second thing we learn is that the pain of work is a direct result of the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. In Genesis 3, we read that when sin entered the world, work that was meant to be life-giving suddenly became stained by all that was broken on that day in the Garden of Eden. The consequence on work is that now work that was meant to fulfill us it now has the potential to harm us. Burnout is dangerous because it takes something fundamental to our creation, that's work, and it causes it to be a burden instead of a blessing. Where we learned last week that anxiety keeps us from stepping into God's call, burnout can cause us to leave it behind. Just as Elijah here says, I have had enough. And while there are many situations where walking away might be the right thing to do, like perhaps from toxic environments, often a season of burnout could very well cause us to walk out prematurely from the very places that once gave us purpose. The good news is that because the work was God's idea, we can trust that by turning to God and God's word, we find the way to turn this all around and restore our sense of purpose whenever we feel burnt out. What's more, we can learn from God how to establish a rhythm in our life where truly living life to the full is possible even as we work. So let's, at this point, jump back into the story from 1 Kings 19 to see what happens next. So we continue on in verse 5. There he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. 
The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. And so he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord appeared to Elijah there. And it continues on, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? To which he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, and the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great, powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mountain, at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? To which he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus, where you will anoint Hazael, king over Aram, and also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, and to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Amen. I love this story. You know, I love how honest Elijah is with God, and how God tailored his approach to how Elijah was feeling. There's just so much that we can learn here about what to do and not to do during burnout, both from Elijah and from God's approach. And I think this is really a perfect example of the Matthew 11 verses brought to life. Jesus' words in Matthew 11 can be, can be distilled into what I think are three main stages. And let's go through them today. The first stage is this, come to me. In verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Jesus invites us to come to him in the midst of our burnout. I mean, I'll just say that again. You know, Jesus, who is God, asks us to come to him in these times. He's not surprised. He's not turned off. He's not angry. He's not judging. He's inviting us into proximity with him. In fact, he's not just encouraging it, but he's actually instructing it and insisting it. The tone of the word that he used here in Greek is an imperative, which means it's a word said with an exclamation. Come, he says. He wants to give us his time. And who is that that he wants to spend time with? It's to all who are weary and burdened. The original words for these two words in Greek are quite interesting. Weary is kopiao, not to be mistaken for kopio that you get in a kopitiam. So it's kopiaro, which means to labor to a point of exhaustion. And burden is fortizo, which is to place a burden upon, like placing a load on the back of an ox. And so the word weary here evokes the image of being exhausted 
through the burdens that we take on ourselves, while burdened indicates a person weighed down by a heavy load, which are the burdens placed on us by others. Burnout happens in both cases, and sometimes it's us who takes on more and more and more until it becomes unbearable, and sometimes it could be external burdens placed upon us by work, family, commitments, expectations. Both are equally addressed by Jesus, and we don't ever have to feel ashamed or guilty when life gets exhausting, no matter what the reason. I don't know about you, but I sometimes have the tendency to categorize my burdens as the ones that's okay to feel tired for, and then there's the ones that it's not okay to feel tired for. Um, the ones where it's not okay would maybe be something that you know, I wanted to do, or maybe it was something that was a duty or a responsibility that I felt I, should, I shouldn't tire from doing. But Jesus doesn't see it that way. And his invitation is for anyone to come to him for all of it, because he says, come to me all. But how does this look like in practice? Looking at the Elijah story, I think it simply means this, to lay out all of our feelings before God. All the mess, all the unpleasantness, all the anger, all the resentment and the sadness and just all the ick. You know, that's exactly what Elijah did. Elijah was fearful and anxious, verse three. He was tired and exhausted, Verse 5, he was resentful and angry. Verse 10, in fact, some would even say he was suicidal because he was contemplating suicidal thoughts. Verse 4, and we know all this because he expressed it all. He didn't take his feelings and walk away from God, but rather he directed it all towards God and made it known to God exactly how he felt through honest prayer. In verse 4, we read that he literally says, it literally says that he prayed that he might die. Sometimes I think that we can mistake prayer to be this extra holy exercise that we can only do when we're in the right state of mind, in the right quiet space, when we found the right words to say in the most polite way possible to God. And yes, there is a lot of value in time set aside to pray intentionally. But prayer is just really conversations with God. The Bible is full of prayers that are honest and raw and unstructured and open-ended um, and, and just, you know, feelings presented towards God. In fact, there's an entire book called the Psalms, which are uh, filled with such prayers. And so whenever you're at loss of how to present your feelings towards God, remember that Elijah, a great prophet, after a great miracle, prayed the honest words, I have had enough, Lord, before falling asleep. However we are feeling, however deep the valley goes, trust that Jesus can take it all because he is the one who says, come to me. The next stage of Jesus's model for coping with burnout is this, rest. In verse 28, he says, I will give you rest. In verse 29, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus promises rest to the weary and burdened. The Bible has much to say about this topic of rest. In fact, rest was kind of God's idea to begin with. In fact, he thought it was important enough to include as part of the 10 commandments. The fourth commandment, above do not kill and above do not commit adultery, it is written that we should keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is basically one day in a week where work stops and people rest. And this is extremely countercultural, even from biblical times. People want to work for their living and masters wanted their slaves to work endlessly. 
Rest is hard because it's disruptive. It's not a natural rhythm. Rest disrupts our flow of work and stops us in our tracks. I mean, you know, how many of us know that it's often hard to start the brain engine again after a long weekend or a long holiday? And I think rest is also hard because we think we might end up doing less by stopping. But on the contrary, our design as human beings is that we always work best from a place of rest. It's one of those funny things that is hard to prioritize even though we know that when we do it, we feel good after and often function better. But what is rest, right? You know, I love one depiction of it in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 31, verse 17, it recounts the creation story and it says um, about God, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and he was refreshed. The word here for refreshed is nafash, which can be understood to mean take a breath. God exhales to create the world in the first six days. And on the seventh day, he rested and he breathed in. And I love this picture, resting as a moment for us to pause and breathe in to be refreshed. And I wonder, when was the last time you felt that you had a moment to pause and take a deep breath in? I have a trivial story about breathing in happened to me a few weeks ago. So I went to um, the doctor because, well, basically what was happening was I felt like half my face was malfunctioning. My left ear had been hurting for over a month. My throat was hurting on the left side, which I figured might be related. And I'd seen a doctor once and the meds didn't seem to help. But then suddenly in that week, that particular week, my left eye then started to hurt and it got really sore. And finally it got quite unbearable. And so I decided to get checked again by a different doctor. I know this is starting to sound like a joke, you know, a man went to the doctor, but it really felt like that, you know. I went to the doctor and I was like, I have three issues. My eye hurts, my ear hurts, and my throat hurts, and nothing I've tried has worked. And so he, he patiently checked everything. He checked my ear, he checked my throat, checked my eye, and surprisingly, he also checked my nose. And finally, he said to me, the problem is actually your nose. You know, your sinuses are inflamed and it's causing your airway to be constricted, which is causing all of the other parts to hurt. I mean, my nose, really, that was the one thing that I thought wasn't the problem because it wasn't hurting, but it turns out it was the one thing that was causing all of the problems. And after the whole incident, it suddenly hit me that that's exactly what happens when we lack rest. Rest is the problematic nose. The thing that we don't ever think to pinpoint as the problem until everything else becomes unbearable. We were created for this weekly rhythm of work and rest. And burnout is what happens when this rhythm is disrupted, where we find ourselves working unceasingly. Often we can end up fixing the symptoms. Maybe we try changing jobs, we try switching environments, or we run away for an escape. But somehow that pattern persists because rest is not part of our rhythm. And that lack of rest, it goes unnoticed, like my sinus, until it causes a host of all other problems that then can't be ignored anymore. That's why as Jesus calls us to come to him in times of exhaustion, the next thing he says is that he wants to give us rest, which here literally means to cease from labor. Recovering from burnout has to include an element of rest, Jesus says that we will find rest for our souls. And souls here is this all-encompassing word which indicates so much more than just our bodies. When we tire, it's not just one aspect, 
but often it's our whole being that feels exhausted. And while rest needs to happen on many levels, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, socially, it usually starts with and flows from restoring our physical state. In preparation for this sermon, I had a chat with a friend of mine who worked as a therapist, and I asked her, you know, what was the right um, thing that happened from a therapist's point of view about how God dealt with Elijah's burnout? And one point was that God prioritized Elijah's physical rest above other things. Firstly, God let Elijah sleep. Then, secondly, he sent an angel to give him food on multiple times until Elijah was strong enough physically. And then only after that, he finally gave Elijah that space or time off from his ministry as Elijah journeyed on on his own for the next 40 days. And notice that this 40 days of um, off time, it was a break and it wasn't an end because we read on that eventually God calls Elijah back to work. Sometimes through accumulation of no rest, we can mistake needing a break for needing to quit. And, uh, you know, I was really inspired by a friend of mine recently. A couple of years back, she, she told me that she realized she was in a season of burnout. And so what she did was uh, to work a way out with her employer to take two months off, where in her exact words, she just slept for the first month. Her body was so worn down that she just needed the time to physically recuperate. And I don't think that was an easy thing for her to admit or even to make this request. But after that, what was kind of cool was that she had no reservations jumping back into the same workplace, the same job, with more energy and more vision. And while we might not always be in a position to take extended breaks like that for good reasons, we can always ensure that we are tending to our needs. One great piece of advice that, my, that that therapist friend of mine mentioned was the concept of HALT. I don't know whether you've heard of it before, but it's a way to identify our needs and care for ourselves. HALT stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. There's two physical states, uh, hungry and tired, and two emotional states, angry and lonely. And often these four states are a warning system for us before we reach that breaking point and can help us to care for our basic needs before our situation gets worse asking ourselves or other people around us basic questions like, are we eating well? Are we getting adequate sleep? Are we in need of healthy social company? Are we holding any anger inside? All these can go a long way in our restoration. Rest is an active process to give our souls what it needs to recuperate. And I wonder, you know, where do you feel today in need of rest? Maybe for you, it's a physical rest, maybe for some others it's emotional or mental or spiritual or even social rest. And perhaps like my silly sinus situation, you have an area in particular that's causing the bulk of your distress at the moment. Jesus' promise is that he is with us through all of that, through our burnout and through our, all the seasons, but also that, he, that we will find rest through him. Just as God knew exactly what Elijah needed, we too can rely on God to guide us in our strategy to find the rest that we need today. And then after that, a rhythm of rest that sustains us daily. Finally, the third stage of this Matthew 11 model is this, take my yoke. Verse 29 says, take my yoke 
upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's interesting and probably surprising to note that the final stage of dealing with burnout is not by lifting the burdens off, but rather to take on something. At the end of the second stage, which is rest, um, I think that we can end up facing two types of temptations. The first is the temptation to go down a route of unending rest, where we become maybe even averse to challenging work uh, or working hard. And the second temptation is to return right back into relentless work um, patterns that are destructive for us. But here Jesus offers us an alternative. He calls us to take on his yoke, which he says will be easy and light. But what does that really mean, right? A yoke is a, is a farming tool uh, that joins two animals, such as oxen, together so that they can share the workload evenly. But sometimes what happens is an older, more experienced animal is yoked with a younger, less experienced animal so that the older animal can train the younger animal while they work together. And I believe that the latter is fitting of what Jesus is alluding to. Uh, my first job was in tech consulting. And uh, at that time, um, for one of my projects, I had a manager who I really respected and I thought that he was really smart. And he used to give me what I felt were pretty tough problems to solve as part of our project. Um, and at that time, you know, I take them on and I try my very best to solve them on my own because, well, firstly, I didn't want to burden him with my absolute rookie questions. But also, secondly, I did kind of want to prove myself, prove to him and to myself that I could do it. And typically, maybe eventually, I might be able to find a solution, but the process would be pretty painstaking because I didn't know what exactly I was doing. And to my surprise, in my first performance review with him, uh, he said to me this. Uh, he said to me, well, while my work was, was, was fine and it was all right, he said, I noticed that you don't ask for help. And I know that you're struggling and I can see that you're stressed, but I'm not going to impose help unless you ask. But honestly, I think that the process would be a lot easier for you if you just get support from me earlier. And I realized actually that's a pretty good small picture of what God is doing on this macro level with us. You know, we can often try to tackle life on our own, in our own strength, which often leads down to this path of imbalance. But God's invitation is for us to carry His yoke on us, relying on His infinite strength and wisdom. Again, what does this look like, right? In the case of Elijah, God did not call Elijah to a lifetime of rest and living in that cave, but rather he asked him to come out of the cave and to go back in the direction that he came. But with that call to return, God also gave him very clear and specific instructions on his next steps, which included a succession plan to eventually relieve him from this role. God takes the role as the stronger ox who is yoked to Elijah by leading and guiding him into a plan for his life. Elijah need only follow. The verse says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The word easy here in Greek is krestos. It can be translated to mean well-fitting. Yokes at the time, they were built to fit the oxen um, so that the oxen itself, they, they would not suffer when carrying that load. Jesus' yoke for us is easy, Crestos, because it's tailor-made to our unique situations. 
And light here simply means that it will not be burdensome. I wonder, do you believe that God wants to speak to you today about his plans for your life, just as he did with Elijah? But more than that, I wonder, do you trust that these plans are easy and light? It must have taken an immense amount of faith for Elijah, on Elijah's part to pick himself back up, turn around and head back to a place that caused him great fear. But he took that leap of faith and, well, we can read the rest of the story. God was faithful up to the very end of his life. It's, it's easy to imagine this stage, you know, take my yoke, as God being almost like this disciplinarian or an army general, and he's kind of being like, okay, you know, chop, chop, rest time's over, now back to work, uh, go back to where you came from and all that kind of thing. But that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we read in the passage that God came to Elijah personally on the mountain and he spoke to him in a gentle whisper. Jesus promises that his approach is gentle. He doesn't coerce us back into productivity, but he nudges us lovingly into our purpose and into fullness of life. Finally, Jesus is also indicating for us to learn from him. Verse 29 says, learn from me. The word yoke in Jewish thought can also refer to the context of teaching or discipleship. Jesus, he lived a great life. You know, he had a thriving ministry, he had deep friendships, he had intimacy with God the Father, and he was always up for a party. He knows how to live life to the full. And in an ideal world, we will never get burnt out, right? But Jesus knows that's hard and we need a model for coming out of burnout and that's why he gave us these three stages to find our way out. But he also left us his word and his spirit that we may follow him and learn from him as disciples. Jesus wants to meet us in our weariness also by showing us a way of living that is sustainable, a way of carrying our burdens like him and with him. There is so much that we can learn from Jesus' life and as we put it all into practice, work is restored from being a burden to being a blessing. Before I end, I'd just love to add two postscripts to this sermon. The first is on community. Even though it's not explicitly mentioned here in this particular passage about community all throughout the Bible, um, we see the importance of living in and relying on community and relying on each other, especially within the church. You know, there are verses that literally say that we need to carry each other's burdens. Um, and I cannot stress enough the importance of us uh, being there for each other, especially when we know that uh, our friends or our family are going through times of burnout. So, you know, I highly encourage you, if you are going through a season um, that's difficult, that you um, find it in yourself to reach out to someone who can help carry that burden for you. But if maybe you're in a good season right now and you're thriving, um, try to be that person that carries burdens for someone else uh, and be there as we are called to live in community. But the second postscript also that I'd like to mention is that sometimes times of burnout or exhaustion, it can be very extreme and it can become very unbearable. Um, it can lead to, to other challenges, perhaps with our mental health and mental well-being. And in those moments when life gets a bit too unbearable, there's no shame and no guilt in us seeking more help, seeking professional help. You know, as Stu said last week, um, spiritual help and professional help, they come hand in hand together and, work, and God works through um, 
mental health professionals just as much as he works through our prayers. John 10 says that out there, there is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we will experience life to the full. And this is good news. Jesus came to earth for us. Jesus died on the cross for us. And through his death and resurrection, he reversed that power that sin has on the world. And that includes restoring God's original design for us as humans, where we are able to flourish through a rhythm of work and rest. Imagine a world where we as the church is able to model a new way of work, one that is life-giving and restful, yet purposeful and fruitful, where we don't have to strive, but where we are led by God as we take on his yoke. But also the good news is this, Jesus didn't come so that we might work well, he came so that we might have a right relationship with God. So also through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are freely able to commune with God just as Elijah did. And whenever we are weary and burdened by the pressures of life, we can find rest in a God who is gentle and humble and invites us lovingly to be in his presence. Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you can love yourself and more than you might ever realize. And some of us, maybe that's all we really needed to hear today. And that's what we need to rest in today. Let me end with a, with a, with a word of prayer. Um, I'm just going to take a moment now to invite the Holy Spirit. And wherever you are at, you know, maybe you might want to just stand um, and, and open up your own arms to, to, as a signal that you are receiving uh, the Spirit or that you're open to God speaking to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you fill us afresh today? Fill our, our hearts and our minds um, and our bodies from head to toe. Um, as I was praying for um, this sermon and for all of you who might be listening, I just had a sense that, um, that some of you, you might be looking for direction. Maybe you're currently at a crossroad in your life um, and it, it could be related to a season of exhaustion or not. Um, but what you're looking for is clarity from God on what that next step is. Um, and uh, also uh, on this topic of rest, uh, maybe you can relate to when I said that that those verses can sometimes feel a bit abstract and what you really need is rest but you don't know how to find it. I just have a sense that God um, wants to meet you in that place. He wants, he wants to give you rest and He's inviting you. Um, that first stage, you know, just come to me. Don't worry about what you need to do to gain rest. Uh, don't worry about um, all these other things. Just come to me and present all of those feelings, all of the situations that you're facing to Him. And there's just some of you that Maybe just this message about exhaustion, that's exactly where you're at. And I feel it's no coincidence that you're listening to this today. Um, and, I, and, I, and I would just really like to pray over all of you who, who might be in that season. So Heavenly Father, I just pray for each person watching this. Uh, I pray um, that we would learn healthy rhythms of work and rest. I pray that for all of us who might be in a season of, uh, of burnout or exhaustion, um, that, that you would help us to come to you, that you would help us to, um, 
to define, you know, what those, uh, what that right strategy is, just as how you work together with Elijah to give him rest. I pray that you would come through for all of us, um, that you would give us rest, deep rest, um, that's restorative uh, and that launches us out with new vision and new energy into whatever it is that you have prepared for us. And uh, I just pray as well um, that for those of us who are looking for direction, um, I pray for wisdom to know uh, the right decisions to make. Uh, it doesn't need to be the whole plan, um, but I just pray for wisdom to know that very next step to take uh, in the direction of your plans. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, uh, let's enter a time of worship again together. Thank <laughs> you.